Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. This is our uh, the public week this week and not on their Patreon. So if you want to listen to our Patreon podcast, remember it's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Um, you heard off the top, we are sponsored by Vanessa House Brewery down in Oklahoma City uh, on, in Automobile Alley. I was just going there after a game, after an OU basketball game, volleyball game, softball season's coming up soon. So uh, take a chance, go out there, have some fun. Uh, but this week, we're not really talking about football generally, or maybe not even just Oklahoma football. Uh, athletic program generally uh, we're talking about nil how that is impacting the the world of college sports uh and more specifically uh, we're talking about the student athlete nil which was founded by our guest today jason belzer jason how's it going on in your neck of the woods we had like a crazy cold snap uh last week i'm assuming most of america did too but how was it uh where you are uh well first of all Peyton, thank you for having me on uh it is very cold here i am up in new york and uh, it's been, uh, it was nine degrees on Christmas, so quite cold. Usually it doesn't get that cold this time of year. Uh, maybe see those types of temperatures in February, but um, I think most of us are suffering across the, the eastern seaboard right now after you guys dealt with it earlier in the week, so. Yeah, it slowly went out there, so thanks for holding on to it as best you can. Yeah, down here where I'm at usually doesn't get into the 20s or so until about February, but it being five degrees with a negative, you know, 13 degree wind chill was not something (laughs) most of us were ready for. Uh, But luckily it came and went and we're back up. We're in the fifties next week. So we're we're right back to where we normally are. Uh, I guess I'm just going to jump into this. I don't want to waste your time trying to get you in and out be cognizant of that. Uh, I've got a list of questions, uh, which is if you're an avid listener of this, you know, I usually don't have a list of questions. Usually it's just a straightforward conversation, but list of questions today to keep us on track. Uh, Jason, how and when did you decide to create the student athlete NIL? You know, was this based on the developing NIL marketplace that you kind of see here's what's happening? Or is this something that had been in the works for a while, kind of like the uh, the Northwestern kids maybe you know, eight years ago thinking of trying to unionize and everything of that nature? Um, kind of walk us through the conceptual, how you conceptualize student athlete NIL and why you think it's so important. Yeah, so my background, I've been in this business, college sports for uh, almost 20 years, I played college football at Rutgers University for Greg Schiano, uh, and I have worked as a agent, first and foremost, representing coaches 
for a very long time. So I've been able to build a pretty substantial reputation in the industry, but also understanding what makes college athletics think, think uh, how ADs make decisions, how universities um, hire coaches and navigate recruiting with student athletes. Uh, and so as name, image, and likeness started to become more and more of a reality about two years ago, I realized that I was very well positioned to be able mm -hmm. to help the industry through what was going to be a very tumultuous time and change. Um, we were going to go from a, a world in which student athletes couldn't earn money to one in which they could. Uh, and there was going to be a billion dollar industry that was going to essentially emerge overnight. Mm -hmm. So I launched student athlete NIL, uh, more than a year and a half ago. So NIL started exactly 18 months ago on July 1st, 2021, um, and positioned the company, the organization to be as far up the NIL funnel uh, from a revenue standpoint as possible. And so what we said is, how do we ensure that we are, there's going to be a lot of money that's coming into this industry. It's going to be going to the student athletes, hopefully. How do we maximize the ability for student athletes to earn dollars? Uh, and so we said, we're going to focus on doing things that nobody else is doing. One is to help work with brands as they navigate the name, image, and likeness space. Because um, if a brand comes in and they say, hey, how do I partner with a student athlete at Oklahoma mm -hmm. or Texas or anywhere else, they're going to need help with that. Uh, and so that was sort of the genesis for the NIL Summit, which is something that we hosted this year at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Uh, we had over 350 student athletes there from 150 different universities around the country, including Oklahoma. Uh, and then we began to uh, launch what our publicly called collectives, what we call agencies of record as far back as last fall. So we launched one of the first collectives or maybe even the first at the University of Florida uh, and then others started to follow us. Um, and so today we work with more than 20 different institutions across the country, uh, including Oklahoma, Penn State, Rutgers, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, and we run collectives. And our job is to figure out how do we maximize the revenue that is going to the student athletes at those universities. Uh, and so that is what the purpose of the collective is. That is what the purpose of Crimson and Cream is. Uh, and I'm excited to give you a little bit more detail on how the, the sausage is made behind the scenes, so to speak. Great. So like you're in New York, like I said, I'm down here in Oklahoma. All most of my, if not 99% of the fan base listening to this podcast are based in Oklahoma or, or the surrounding Oklahoma areas. So once you created student athlete NAL, how did you go about gaining, you know, buy-in from local talent, local people in the Oklahoma area who could get you in better connection with the AD, with the university? I mean, how do you and your team go about gaining that, that grassroots support, you know, in those, those surrounding areas to kind of create these individualized, you know, collectives, as you mentioned, I think agents of record or something, yeah. uh, you know, for Crimson and Cream for Florida, for Penn State. Um, I'm assuming there's a lot of phone calls, emails, Twitter DMs kind of back and forth trying to connect everyone. But how does one go about just creating, let's just say, Crimson and Cream NIL? Yeah, so um, it's a great question. And I don't think that there's one blueprint uh, for mm -hmm. any particular collective. Uh, again, I've been in this business for almost two decades. So I've known Joe Castiglione for a good period of that time. I know a lot of the different coaches at Oklahoma, a lot of different senior personnel. Um, and so when we launched our organization, 
and started approaching schools and saying, hey, there's this thing called a collective. It's going to be something that your university is going to need. Right now, anybody or their mother can launch a collective at Oklahoma, right? Like, Peyton, you can go start a collective tomorrow. What does that mean? Our model is different, right? We are essentially, I use that word agency of record. That is, uh, our job is to sort of represent every student athlete at the university, right? We represent every student athlete, not as an agent, as much as somebody that is a conduit to be able to provide opportunities for those student athletes from an NIL standpoint. And so we knew that Oklahoma was behind from a name, image, and likeness standpoint. The opportunities that the student yes. athletes had there was not the same that other schools did. And so it was a little bit of us reaching out to them and them sort of having interest in saying, hey, we know what you guys have been able to do at other schools. Uh, we think that it's something that would be interesting at OU. OU can't be involved, right? Uh, Oklahoma cannot be involved, yeah. nor any other institution in the country can be directly involved in these types of things. So they said, hey, if you want to come here and do this and start a collective, great. You can do that. We can introduce you to key people in our community, key stakeholders, alumni, former student athletes. You have to pitch them and sell them on joining this collective. And that's exactly what we did. The university said, hey, you might want to talk to Ryan Broyles. You might want to talk to Jeremiah Hall. You might want to talk to Whitney Hand mm -hmm. um, and have conversation with them, see if they're interested in joining your board. And that's sort of how it started. And so we got connected to all the right people. Uh, and it took a while. It took about four months uh, before we even like announced anything. We did anything, just putting the pieces together. And then eventually we, we launched. Um, and so Crimson and Cream, we launched um, October, maybe. Mm -hmm. And we have had in just under two and a half months, maybe even that, we now have more than two and a half thousand people that are part of the collective. Uh, we have raised many millions of dollars. Uh, we have positioned Oklahoma to have one of the best NIL programs in the country. Uh, I believe that in the top six, top seven recruiting class that we just signed yep. for football is in large part due to the collective that we've created and what we've been able to show student athletes to say, hey, if you come to Oklahoma, you're going to have the best opportunities or as good opportunities as you would going to Alabama or USC or anybody else. Um, and so we have still a very uphill climb to do what we need to do. But um, Oklahoma is much better positioned today than it was just a few months ago before we started operating at the university or in, in Norman is a better way of saying it. Yeah, as someone who, you know, subscribes to the uh... – uh, student uh, Crimson and Cream NIL myself, the collective myself, I pitch in my you know, a monthly contribution to make sure the university is as best transitioned as it possibly can as the university looks as it's transitioning to a much bigger recruiting playground in the SEC in the coming years. It's something I felt uh, important to do. You know, I had to do my research, make sure what I wanted to do. Uh, and then what finally got me over the tipping point was the idea that the Crimson and Cream Collective was quote unquote endorsed. Yep. by the University of Oklahoma. It wasn't something like one Oklahoma, nothing wrong with the other collectives, but one felt endorsed, one is endorsed, and the other yep. ones aren't. What, how important is it for you and for the company, for, uh, for the collectives, each individually or for student athlete NIL just as a whole, to be working hand in hand with the university, to be endorsed by them, instead of, 
you know, you we'd kind of heard some rumors of USC being kind of like at odds with one of its collectives. I can't remember yep. which one it was. Like, how important is it for you to be as lockstep as possible, knowing that the university can't, you know, directly be involved? Yeah. So again, it's 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 a gray area, right? Because the university can't directly be involved. We don't have a contract with the university. Um, there's nothing in writing. We look at so, but we will not operate at a university unless the university is going to acknowledge that we are the collective, right? So schools can now members, sort of endorsers, people that they can say, I want you to give to Crimson and Cream, whatever that is, or success with honor. When you came in, whatever that is, you are a member. We are not going to monthly. We are not going to invest financially. Like football, I pick football. Yes, great. Okay, so your money goes without having that endorsement. Okay. So and that money goes into why we get that endorsement is to prom with one, other people that are putting money into the football. But also other large university, maybe somebody puts a check for a thousand, get ten thousand, number one, they get mm-hmm. to point we out. We had a donor that's putting a check for a million dollars, a million and a half dollars. So how does that money get spent? Well, the board of directors of the collective gets to decide. They have first authority as to how that money gets decided, gets spent. They can decide we want to give every football player on the team $10,000 a year, as an example. Maybe it's more. Maybe we've raised more money. Maybe it's less, right? Maybe there's a conversation with the coaches to understand what their philosophies are. Um, I don't get to make the decision. I don't get Mm -hmm. to give a check to Marvin Mims or, you know, DG and say, this is what you're getting. That's not my decision. The board is making that decision. Anyone that's writing an, a large enough check gets to make that decision. We're just simply a conduit to make that process happen. The benefit, though, is the board is a group of individuals that the university respects, that the university knows has their benches in mind. And then also what we do, which is different than any other collective out there, is that the university is fully aware of, of everything that we do. So they don't have authority to tell us what to do but they get a copy of every transaction. So anytime we sign a student athlete, Mm -hmm. they get the contract. And what that does is it helps from a recruiting standpoint because coaches in NIL are not allowed to um, tell a a prospective recruit, if you come to Oklahoma, the collective is going to pay you $100,000. Can't do that. What they can do is say every student athlete or this student athlete just made $100,000. You can do the same. And so what happens at a lot of schools is that student athletes don't disclose how much they're making. So the, the coaches can't even use it in recruiting, which is, it's crazy, right? Yeah. But we disclose everything. So every contract. And so we are in the process and I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but I can say publicly, we're in the, the process, every football player at, on, in the school, every scholarship and walk-on student athlete will be signed with Crimson and Cream in the next 30 days, right? That includes all incoming recruits. It includes everybody. And that information, the university will have. They will know exactly how much the entire team is making. They can use that in recruiting. And you bet that that is going to be a benefit to the coaches staff when they go out and they sell Oklahoma football and they say, you're going to come to one of the best football programs in the country. You're going to have an opportunity to play in the SEC. And you're going to have an opportunity to make potentially this much money. And they're going to know what the lowest guy on the team is making. And they're going to know what the highest guy on the team is making. And 
that's a pretty substantial number for some of the bigger guys. And that's due to the fact that we've been able to drive all of this memberships, Mm -hmm. business revenue, right? Corporations that are starting to partner with us, as well as large donors into this one funnel to create a machine that then turns around and make sure that Oklahoma football, Oklahoma football and all of Oklahoma sports can continue to operate at the highest level possible. So you did mention some stuff in, um, you know, you don't have to like answer to this question very specifically. You can go vaguely like so-and-so sure. may have made something like that. I mean, in recruiting, we do hear these numbers. Nico was apparently given, you know, $8 million or something like that, right. you know, at those natures. How real are those? Yeah. yeah. How real are those numbers that are coming out? Or, or are these all just talking points? You hear every coach under the sun right now is Jimbo Fisher's complaining about this. Nick Saban's complaining about that. Uh, you know, Brent, has, for his worth, has kind of just stayed out of it other than saying something like, we'll take care of you. And then, like, that's that. Because uh, it's the game. You can't, right. don't complain about the game if you're playing the game. But how real are some of these numbers? And who benefits for seeing these numbers being so inflated, um, in your in your opinion? So uh, some of the numbers that you hear are, or let's say some of the ranges, right? We won't say a specific mm-hmm. athlete making yeah, a specific yeah. number are real, right? There are absolutely a, a number of student athletes right now that are making uh, multiple six figures. Um, there are some student athletes like Bryce Young at Alabama makes a million, million and a half by himself, easy a year, nothing Mm -hmm. coming from Alabama's collective, right? He's just crushing it on the endorsement, right? You win a Heisman that helps, you know, Caleb Williams, same thing, right? He went to USC and he is making more than a million dollars a year. Um, I don't think that anybody at Oklahoma is making more than a million dollars. I would be surprised if anyone at Oklahoma combined is making more than, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. We have been able to secure a a number of six figure opportunities for student athletes at the university. Um, But you would be surprised that, and this is just not, not just Oklahoma, this is across the board, the average, and we work with more schools than anybody else. The average power five football player right now is making approximately, you know, maybe 10,000 a year max. Like that's average power five football player there's what 70 plus schools about 85 student athletes per roster right so you can do the math it's not a lot of money right and even in oklahoma most of these guys are not like the average oklahoma football player is not more making more than like 15 10 15 thousand dollars right um so, so some of the numbers are ridiculous a lot of them are made up there are some programs that are have a lot of money and they're just throwing it around that is not what Oklahoma is doing. That's not what Oklahoma can afford to do that. And I mean that both literally and figuratively, because not only is Oklahoma not a rich, you know, state program, it's not like we have $10 million, but it's not sustainable and it's not advisable, right? Like why would you burn through all that money if you want to figure out how to do this? And so our goal is like, how do we create a scenario where we can be as nimble as possible? Because NIL right now is like professional baseball, not professional football. Professional baseball is like you got the Yankees on one end or the Mets, right, who are now spending $500 million (laughs) a year. And then you got like the Kansas City Royals who are spending like $50 million a year. And that's sort of how NIL works. It's not like everyone is the Dallas Cowboys or the Patriots and everyone gets the same $250 million payroll. So you got to be like, how do we be the Oakland A's type you know, circa 2000 and be the money ball and say, 
what can we do best for X versus Ohio State, who's going to go send, spend $10 million? Well, we're going to spend the million. How are we going to be able to, to leverage that and deploy that? Uh, what types of services? So we've kind of talked about a little bit about the, being a conduit, all that type of stuff um, that the collective does to serve to, to allow the student athletes to be connected with money-making opportunities or marketing opportunities. Right. But what types of services does each collective, you know, underneath the main umbrella of student athlete NIL, what, what type of services does it provide to students? Is that individually based for each student athlete in university? Or do you guys have some like baseline generalities? Here's five things we do for everybody. And then for Oklahoma, you've got these three things because, you know, yeah. gas is so, bigger there and things of yeah, that nature. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's multi-layered. So the first thing is that um, our job again is to drive as much revenue into the pockets of the student athletes as possible. And so what we do is, and, and this is a great example, you as a member pay a membership fee. Yeah. Let's say you're, you're paying $25 a month. Um, and that money that you're paying, so you're paying $250 a year as an example, that money goes into a pot and then is used to pay the student athlete to perform the services that you're paying for. So if you get a, a free auto, piece of autograph memorabilia paid in as part of your membership, I have to go pay a student athlete to, to sign that autograph, buy the football, and then send it to you, right? That's part of the membership. It's the content, right? We've just had yeah. strengthening Oklahoma join us. That content we're paying the student athlete for, right? So those are the types of things that are student athletes getting compensated. What we have done, and I kind of mentioned this or hinted it, and this is like, um, we are all about transparency. So all these football players are signing with us, right? What we've done is we've put all of them on a contract. They're all getting a certain set amount of dollars. They are responsible for doing a set number of things for us. So as, as an example, their contract might say in the month of January, you're going to do one in-person appearance for Crimson and Cream. You're going to do one virtual appearance. You're going to do a social post and you're going to do five autographs. Okay. Well, those five autographs are for the memorabilia that I need to send to the subscribers. The post, the social post might be promoting the collective. It might be uh, promoting a business that I brought in as a corporate partner. Uh, the appearance might be the autograph signing that we host at the basketball game, which we're going to do, right? I think we're going to have some of the football team at the Alabama basketball game next month. So, they, we've essentially bought out these student athletes marketing rights and now they are working on our behalf. Yeah. And so if I can go get more businesses to be involved, whether it's a car dealership or a restaurant or a law office, whatever that may be, these student athletes are going to be doing that. They're going to be working on behalf of these businesses. And by the time we get to the summer, hopefully we're going to have 50 different companies that student athletes at the university are sort of endorsing as part of this collective, right? As, hey, I show up at OU, I'm in Norman. I know I'm gonna get paid $10,000 a year. That's gonna mean that I'm gonna have to go do an endorsement for 10 different businesses. But the collective has created this turnkey system for me to show up, get paid, have these opportunities. And that's what makes it attractive for a potential recruit. Cause they know, hey, I come in and I'm gonna get guaranteed money because the collective has done a really good job of bringing all of this under one umbrella. 
So that kind of finishes my generalized questions I had. I did get a few uh, from our Patreon Discord kind of pop in. Uh, that'll kind of toss at you right here. Uh, one of them is about fundraising. So uh, Crimson and Cream had a very public fundraising campaign of trying to get to $3 million in 30 days. Uh, I did not keep up with that. It did not look like they reached that just through, through crunch, uh, crowdfunding uh, <coughs> fundraising um, yep. uh, uh, strategies. But why was that at least from the outside perspective, why was establishing that crowdfunding for Crimson and Cream and Ale so important instead of potentially, and I don't know, because again, like you said, there there's multi layers to this, like I'm in the bottom bucket. <laughs> I'm okay with that, with the amount of money I'm giving per month. Uh, why was such a highlight, such a spotlight put on that instead of potentially saying we're working with Sonic or Loves or working with some higher members of the Sooner Club who are higher donations. Now, you've mentioned it does seem like that did happen with some of the, the yep. dollar signs amounts you, th you said have yep. been signed on. Uh, but why was the crowdfunding so important, or at least given such an outsized, potentially outsized spotlight in the launch of the Crimson Cream NIL? Yeah, because it's multi-pronged. So number one, um, we have raised money outside of that crowdfunding effort. Yeah. Right. That crowdfunding effort was very specific. It was one major donor who had told us that he wanted to help drive a sustainable model into the collective, meaning he wants the collective Sooner Nation to contribute. He wants everybody that can contribute, whether it's $10 a month or $500 a month to do so. And in order for NIL to be sustainable, we have to have the collective, the Sooner fan base be involved in this. If there's 80,000 people that are in that football stadium on a Saturday afternoon and we can get 5% of them, right? That would have put us at our, you know, million and a half goal of X number of dollars a year, sustainable reoccurring into the collective. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And so while we fell short of that, we did reach some substantial numbers and have put ourselves in good position to be able to grow successfully. The goal here is that we want to have a scenario where let's say that the Sooners collective is a $10 million a year collective, right? Yeah. That's our goal. We want to be $10 million a year. That means that we need probably at least one third of that to come from Sooner Nation, right? Subscribers, members. We need a third of that to come from the business community. And we need a third of that to come from donors, right? Donors being large checks, people cutting the $10,000, dollars $100,000. We can't make a collective off of a $10, a $10 million a year collective based only on donations though, right? And so what we are trying to do is build that sustainable model where we're selling you paid in a product, right? We're not just asking you to give me $10. You're not making a donation. You're buying a membership, just like you have a membership to Sooner Scoop. You're buying a membership to the collective. You're getting access to something that you otherwise wouldn't. That's why it's important. And we're never going to stop that, like forever. As long as we're operating at Crimson and Cream, as long as we're at Oklahoma, we will always be telling people, hey, become a member, give, mm -hmm. get something in return, because that's only going to help benefit, right? It's the crowdsource model. And that's what NIL really is. You as a person, a business, whether it's a Sonic or uh, yeah. whatever yeah. else, they're going to be part of their piece. And we have, by the way, if you go on the site, we have now businesses that are members as well, right? That are giving on a monthly basis to be able to get activation. We're working on all sorts of partnerships. It's going to take time, right? It doesn't happen overnight. But what we were able to do during that campaign is really special. 
right? And that just shows the power of the Sooner Nation. Um, and I'm pretty convinced that by the end of this school year, so June, we are going to have one of the strongest collectives in the country because of the fact that Sooners want their teams to be successful and they're getting behind them and they love what we're doing. So I know you mentioned uh, uh, a couple of times in here that the plan is to have every football player and walk-on included scholarship and walk-on the football program. I'm assuming more to come softball, you know, softball is obviously huge in Oklahoma, uh, basketball, but you kind of mentioned the football uh, side of stuff will be signed by end of January. The thing that makes me want to raise my hand and answer, you don't, you can't answer this question. I'm totally cool with it. Uh, We've already, you know, strength in Oklahoma is already combined with Crimson Cream NIL. Is there a push and a drive to kind of pull everyone in to Crimson and Cream at that point, including what other collectives around the University of Oklahoma have propped up? Uh, are you guys in the quote unquote acquisition business uh, to a certain degree of, of trying to, because like you said, State of Oklahoma isn't rich enough to have split focused, in my opinion. I'm from yep. Oklahoma, I understand this. Uh, it does need to have a centralized location of here's where all the money's going, here's what we're going to do with it. We move in, you know, we move in a concerned effort. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, is that something you guys at Student Athlete NIL and Crimson Cream NIL actively exploring to try to bring everyone under one roof? Yeah, we've been in conversations for a while uh, with. So there's only two other collectives, really, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's Norman NIL Club. That's a private organization. They're functionally going to cease to exist at some point. Um, their their company is going towards like a different model. Um, and so, you know, eventually, even if they didn't, we're sort of going to squeeze them out, um, which is just the reality of the, you know, the marketplace. One Oklahoma is somebody we've had many conversations with. Uh, we have actually been close to having a scenario in which they were sort of going to merge into us, become part of whatever we're doing. Uh, there are still some things that need to be worked out from that perspective, Uh, Everybody within the Oklahoma community that has a voice has urged them to do so. Uh, They have, for the moment, decided that they're not just quite ready to get there. Uh, But I can promise you that everybody has, right? Like, we are working. The university wants to see it. And um, it just hasn't happened yet, right? So we continue to do what we need to do to be the strongest possible collective. The reality is that if OU is going to continue to endorse us, eventually it's just going to happen, right? Like eventually everyone's going to wake up and realize, wait a second, we should be on team Crimson and Cream, especially because we're so transparent. And, you know, just as a business person, if, if I have 85 football players signed tomorrow, like at what point does one Oklahoma or two Oklahoma or whatever collective pops up tomorrow, have any relevancy if I essentially have every student athlete signed to our organization, which is essentially what's happening. So then the the last question, uh, and again, it's as political as, as you can with this. Uh, some of these I think answers. I've been pretty transparent so far. Yeah. So I don't think uh, Oklahoma is moving to the SEC, uh, 2024, 2025. You know, that number is still kind of up in the air, depending on how they can do some horse trading on the, on the backside of this. Uh, you at Student NIL have collectives to uh, agents of records at Florida, uh, I think, and other SEC schools. What is the commitment level at the University of Oklahoma? Maybe not obviously the university, but the collective, the collective support from the state, from Sooner Nation, compared to some of these other SEC schools that OU is going to be walking into. I mean, OU is not University of Texas. It is not the richest 
<laughs> athletic program in the nation. Uh, it has to be more Moneyball style. How is Oklahoma preparing itself? Is it prepared to walk into those waters? You want the good news or the bad news first? I want the news. <laughs> so the bad news is that uh, Oklahoma is very far behind from a mm -hmm. number standpoint, like a numerical quantitative standpoint. Uh, there are, you know, Auburn has been pretty public. They have raised $13 million for their collective. Uh, Tennessee's stated goal is $25 million. Um, there are, I would say, pretty much every collective in the SEC has more money than Oklahoma. Okay. Maybe not Vanderbilt, right? Maybe yeah. Mizzou, Mizzou, I don't know where they are. But I would say that the, uh, the average SEC collective probably has at least six to, you know, $7 million in the bank. Um, Mississippi has raised over $10 million. Um, So that's the bad news. The good news is that based on the current roster, we'll say the 23-24 roster that Oklahoma has, which I think we all know what it is, right? New mm -hmm. recruiting class. Yep. We have the best dollar-for-dollar dollar NIL roster in the SEC. So if, if, if Oklahoma was in the SEC right now, we have the bet, right? Because we know that we have the smallest, but yet we still have we, we have essentially a top 15 on paper roster, right? Yeah. Top 15, top 25 roster. So that's good news, right? So that means the money ball thing is sort of working. The bigger question is, can we maintain that, right? We were able to pull it off after essentially two years of NIL or one real recruiting, one real NIL recruiting class, right? This is the first real NIL recruiting class. Um, so can we do it again next year and the year after? We are not naive to your last point of your question. We are not naive to know that we have to up the game, right? We have to continue to, but are we going to go from where we are now to $10 million next year? It's not happening. It's not. Can we get to 5 million, 6 million potentially? Um, but the goal right now is to say, all right, how do we get better while maintaining where we are, right? If we can maintain our roster, today and continue to do what we need to do however much we can raise and generate great and that's what's going to keep us competitive and i would like to continue to see oklahoma have dollar for dollar the best roster now i want to go back the last thing i'm going to say here is like i don't decide what players we get i don't decide yeah. who we recruit like that's not my job my job is like whoever's on the team i'm there to make them money whether they're good they're bad it doesn't matter to me like that's my job and so I don't even get to decide how much they get, right? Like, it's just not my, my job is like maximize the revenue and then somebody else takes care of the rest. Well, that pretty much sums it up. You've uh, basically triggered my doomer uh, fan gene in my body. So <laughs> it is what I thought it was. I mean, University of Oklahoma was late to the game, was very late to the game. And now, like I said, Crimson cream. The I, I don't first think you endorsed is, is is didn't start until October. So yeah, but I mean, again, you just your your you know your team just signed the top seven, the yeah. highest recruiting class in the history of the program, I believe. Right? That's true. Uh, so like twenty four seven. Yes. Objectively, it looks great, right? Like objectively, it's working. Um, so I don't. I, I I wouldn't really worry about it. Like, in fact, you should feel like damn good that like, hey, you know, this matters because. There's a lot of SEC schools. Do you want to be Texas A&M? Like, would you be feeling good right now 
if you just spent $30 million on this recruiting class and then what's about <laughs> to happen, right? Like, That's true. So the point there is, oh yeah, oh, you finished with the highest ever uh, according to 24-7 modern history. You know, it's kind of hard to, to go back in time and rank those. Oh, you finished at number seven. Uh, actually, 24-7 has them at number five. Uh, so, go. so good for Oklahoma. Um, and it being at number five in the nation, number five in the entire nation would be number four in the SEC. So it's it's a different world as uh, as OU's walking into there, uh, being percentage points down. You know, OU according to twenty four seven is at two hundred eighty nine point sixty nine points, again highest ever. Alabama's at three hundred and twenty eight. So it's just it's just right. a there's different all depends tiers what you to all this talent acquisitions when yeah. they get on the field. But in terms of NIL, I can tell you that that was the dollar for dollar highest ranked recruiting class in the history of NIL dollar for dollar um because hang the just, banner yeah yeah hang the banner yes <laughs> yes exactly we get the, the the everyone gets a trophy prize right but i think that's the point right if you can attract kids to ou and the reality is the coaches don't have that much to sell on nil just yet imagine when they do right imagine when we really start crushing it and all of a sudden i mean ou has tremendous potential from that perspective tremendous well, Jason, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time, uh, replying to a just basically a cold call email to the uh, FAQ email. <laughs> uh, thank you for doing that so much. Uh, for anyone who wants to follow and support, you know, the the endorsed one, one that I'm, I'm subscribed to myself is Crimson and Cream NIL. You can find them at Crimson Cream NIL on Twitter uh, or CrimsonCreamCollective.com. Uh, to me, that is the best bang for your buck at this point in time. Again, it's the only one that's endorsed. And if... Uh, what Jason wants to happen happens. It will be the only shop in town. So go ahead and get get into the front door. Uh, and also, if you want to follow like some larger news, I do myself at uh, Athlete NIL. It's the Twitter account for Student Athlete NIL by uh, Jason. Uh, and then, is there anything else you want to kind of shout out? Like, give everyone a peace of mind just about how all this stuff's kind of shaking out. Give you guys time. I am giving my word as a professional. I think anyone that's going to listen to this podcast can Google my name and they'll see you know, that I'm legitimate, I'm an attorney. Um, Oklahoma is in good hands now. And Crimson and Cream is going to do everything in our power to be able to make sure that Oklahoma can continue to be at the top of college sports from a name, image, and likeness perspective. You have my word. You can email me at any time. It's jason at studentathletenil.com. My DMs are open. You can just look me up. Um, I'm always happy and transparent, open to answering questions. Um, and we're excited. Uh, and uh, we have a, a, a great team down in Norman, including Alyssa Slayton. Uh, I will be down in Norman in a couple of weeks. We have a whole bunch of different events that are going to be coming up here in the first quarter of 2023. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, um, to seeing an amazing Sooner football program come next fall with this new recruiting class and some of the really cool programs that we're going to be operating on. Well, awesome. You know, thank you so much. It, it uh, fills my heart of hope knowing that University <laughs> of Oklahoma is in good hands. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's like uh, what I always tell people and what some of the people on the podcast have mentioned. We all have entertainment budget. It's five bucks a week. It's not that big a deal. It's renting a movie, right. you know, it's, it's getting a cup of coffee. You can toss a toss something that is a big entertainment value for the state. Uh, you know, as OU is transitioning to the SEC, we need to start building stuff stuff up as uh, fast and, and big as we possibly can. 
So we don't have to be like all the way Moneyball. <laughs> right. Not to be like rich Moneyball. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not in that dire of a circumstance, but yeah. Um, I want to say thank you. Hopefully we can uh, uh, have something, some more people on to talk about this stuff as it grows. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, maybe push some athletes my way. I know you guys, you guys have Gabe and all them and their podcast, much bit larger reach. No, no, no. We'll don't get, forget we'll us get little guys. Podcast. No. <laughs> Uh, but thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jason, so much for doing this. Uh, Patreons, thank you guys for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, remember how to do it. It supports us to give you guys information like this. Um, and then without any further ado, and this is how we always do, Boomer! Boomer!